0: Hello Bitcoiners, welcome back to the show. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets, your weekly dose. (laughs) I'm back. I missed last Friday, but this is supposed to be your weekly dose of Bitcoin fundamentals, price, analysis, commentary, all of that stuff. I try to keep you ahead of the curve here in Bitcoin. The big news items this week were the IRS guidance that came out, as well as some Ethereum drama over there on Bitcoin Twitter. So we'll get to that. Also, throughout my <laughs> ramblings here, I have, uh, I drop other pieces of uh, news uh, from the space. So try to get you as uh, up to speed on everything that you need. If you're new to Bitcoin, Go to bitcoinandmarkets.com. On there, I have resources, including uh, a getting started page that has uh, FAQ, some definitions, as well as some background reading, other trusted podcasts and YouTube channels that you can check out to start doing your own research, as well as a glossary that has Bitcoin jargon in it and uh, history behind some of the different Bitcoin jargon. But check that out over there at bitcoinandmarkets.com. There you can also sign up for the free newsletter that comes out every week. Also, <laughs> lastly is on YouTube. I've been doing live streams and this last one that we did on Wednesday, um a lot of people were raving about it and uh so I think that's a really good resource for you guys too, so make sure you subscribe over there on YouTube. All right. Let's get into the show. Price on Bitstamp right now 83.46 83.46 um, last week, I didn't have a, the show, but I did put out the report and it was around 8200 and I called neutral. I said that we were probably going to consolidate in this this area. We have stayed under the 200-day moving average, which I think is a very important indicator in Bitcoin. So that is acting as resistance. Now, people that listen to this podcast, they know I'm a very big bull long-term. I think this Bitcoin could change the world, but uh in the near term I think we need to have more pain. I mean, just this week I've been seeing a lot of altcoin people starting to like get hope again. I've seen people talking about the Bitcoin dominance index going back down to 60 or 50 and and all of this stuff. Remember the Bitcoin dominance index just measures the market caps of all the the entire space and versus Bitcoin's market cap. If you measured it versus liquidity, um, you know, how much economic activity there is in the space, Bitcoin is upwards of ninety percent, as well as just basic interest in the space and name recognition and all these things. I mean, Bitcoin is much, much higher than what the market cap says. So there those need to lose a lot more relative to Bitcoin. And we've gone a long way to that. I mean, this has been very hard for altcoiners to stay in the game and to stay positive, but it's going to get worse for them anyway. So what I see over the next couple of weeks is lower lows. Imagine this. So Bitcoin starts going down again and it gets down towards 7,000 altcoins are crushed even more. A lot of despair. Maybe the hash rate starts to, um, pull back a little bit and we start seeing headlines of a death spiral in mining. We start seeing things like saying that this Bitcoin uh, hit its height of this cycle at 14000 and now we're in for another bear market, all of these things. Um, we're going to see all those kind of headlines. A lot of people are going to get scared. A lot of people are going to sell. But not the listeners of this podcast. If you guys are a listener of this podcast, you know this is this is the last sell-off. So my bullish case for the future, because um I spent many months being very bearish, and I'm still kind of sounding bearish here, but um my bullish case is that the bottom is just around the corner. It's just around the corner. We just need a little bit more pain. We need a little bit more pain. Then we can accumulate and go up. So that's what I'm seeing here is, I mean, volumes are low, search traffic for the term Bitcoin is low, transaction numbers are down, uh, fees are down, just general interest in Bitcoin is down. So um I will say, though, that some of the metrics are showing a halt in the decline. So they've been trending down for a year or more, and they are still going to be uh, suppressed or or... Down low, but they have stopped declining, so they could turn around and be bullish over in a very short period here. So uh, we do need to be oversold in relation to everything, and I think that one more push down, this is the last one, guys. One more push down, and we will get a bottom. Uh, maybe not. Maybe we go up here from here, but uh, it. I could. This could change, a couple things could change my bearishness into full on bullishness here. And that is if we pass, say, 12,000 or 20, uh, 12,500 on the chart, if we pass that price, I will be getting bullish again. That would be a breakout, uh, to the top side. Um, another thing would be if we just went flat here for another month or two, right at 8,500 for another month. Then I can see that would be enough time that we could start going up. But uh, right now, path of least resistance is still lower. Let's talk a little bit about some other uh, prices because this is Bitcoin and markets. So it's all markets, not just Bitcoin. Um, Let's talk about the dollar. The dollar had a pretty good sell off today and yesterday, but it's still very high and I expect it to continue up. There are no uh, fundamental changes here with the global economy. Everybody is slowing down. There's dollar shortages everywhere. Uh, looks like we're going to have quantitative easing, but by another name, we don't know exactly what it's going to be called, like asset purchases or maybe permanent open market operations. We don't know exactly what they're going to call it, but it will be QE. And um, I think the U.S. economy is in a better spot uh, for the rest of the world uh, versus the rest of the world. So people are going to want to own dollars. Plus, a lot of these emerging markets made bets that QE for the last 10 years <laughs> and very low rates in the U.S. would push the do- the dollar lower. I mean, I was even a dollar bear for sev- a couple years there. But so the emerging markets, what they did was, they the reason why they're having shortages here is they bet – on the dollar weakening all of this trillions of dollars of quantitative easing easing of pumping money into the system and very very low zero bound interest rates they made a bet that the dollar would weaken so they took out loans denominated in dollars they even sell some sovereign bonds in a lot of these emerging markets denominated in u.s dollars So the countries themselves are indebted in dollars, and they need dollars to pay off these bonds. Well, if the dollar is the worst, (laughs) like the actual worst thing for these people is for strong uh, the dollar to strengthen, and that's what it's been doing. And so there's a dollar shortage, and people, you know, self reinforcing. They need more dollars to pay for their debts. And that pushes the price of dollars up. So then they need more dollars to, you know, it's, it's just a vicious cycle for them. And, um, I see that's happening all around the world. Plus the economy, uh, the global economy is slowing down. There's these trade wars and currency wars everywhere. So, um, right now, I mean, the dollar is going to strengthen and it's going to hurt all these other people. That is my general thesis on the dollar. Now, how does this affect Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin is going to, do poorly initially uh relative to the dollar i think uh, maybe not in the dollar price of bitcoin we'll see how that works out but the uh you know as i see the the global economy slowing down more increased demand for dollars uh leads to more economic pain and on and on so people are going to be really f- fleeing into safety and bitcoin's just not quite there yet uh, it will be there soon um, I'm sounding like a broken record here because I've been saying this for several months, but I think this will continue going on. Uh, dollar, uh, The dollar will strengthen. Oil will go down. Um, the global economy will keep grinding slower and slower. Uh, there's no end in sight. Now, we're in recession. Uh, I think the world is in a global recession right now. And in the latter half of this recession, Bitcoin will really outperform. And think about that. So there's a lot of economic, economic pain in the world, but Bitcoin keeps going up. Imagine that. It accumulates, it forms a bottom here around maybe six to eight thousand somewhere. And it, then it starts moving up. We have the halvening news cycle that drives its own, uh, news cycle. The halvening is coming up next year in May, roughly April, May time. And that's going to also bring more attention into Bitcoin. So. As we have the rest of the world slowing down and Bitcoin turning the corner and coming back up, uh, it will become a lot more attractive to a lot more people globally. Not just the United States, but globally, this will happen. Um, and this will be really good headlines. So uh, imagine right now the headlines over the next month are going to be all negative, but the headlines towards the end of the year are going to be very positive for Bitcoin. OK, so I see this moving that direction, kind of shifting two months to the right on the calendar here or on the charts. So I got there by talking about the dollar, but I talked about all this other stuff. All right, let's get into this IRS thing. So the IRS had a clarification on their guidelines come out this week, and it said a few things. It said two kind of benign uh updates, and then a larger update that is very far-reaching in Bitcoin and in the crypto space, okay? The two benign ones are just how to calculate your basis, so in investing, you know, what is the entry price of your investment, so you can calculate your capital gains or capital losses. Uh, The other benign update was first-in, first-out accounting, so pretty much uh, if you're DCAing or dollar cost averaging and you buy a little bit every month uh, and then you spend some which coins are you spending well this just clarifies that the oldest coins are the ones that you spend first for your accounting purposes Now the big update the big change was that hard forks and airdrops are taxable events This is a big deal because most altcoins Um, are either launched via a hard fork or an airdrop. Also, if you just hold Bitcoin, you cannot defend yourself against getting the airdrop or somebody hard forking. So this would be, you would have zero uh, ability to stop this. The only way that you could stop from getting this unwanted quote-unquote income, according to the IRS, would be to hold your... Bitcoins on an exchange, you know, have it in custody of somebody else, and those people split your coins for you, um, or they only hold your Bitcoin for you, and when they send it to you or you withdraw, you're only withdrawing the Bitcoin. So that would be the only way to kind of shield yourself against this. If you hold your own Bitcoins, then anybody can hard fork, and you would have to pay tax on those new coins. This is very very bad. It's very unenforceable. So anyway, this week on the newsletter, I did break it down into kind of pros and cons. So I'm just going to go through some of the pros and cons of this thing and see what you guys think. So cons, let's start with the cons of the way the IRS is going to be treating hard forks and airdrops. Um, you can't stop someone from forking. So that becomes an attack vector. Anybody can be attacked like this. Anybody can. And that means that everybody's guilty. It turns everybody into a tax evader. Uh, that's very bad. It pretty much makes it illegal um, to own Bitcoin and to hold your own private keys um, because Anybody can fork at any time. anybody can give you an airdrop at any time, and you will have to you are liable for all of those taxes It's very unenforceable and it's very uh hard to comply with at all um, okay so then another con is that um it might discourage investors from even looking at Bitcoin. This kind of increases the overall confusion about Bitcoin and Bitcoin taxes. And so it might discourage some investors from even looking at investing in Bitcoin. Um, I know when I was first looking at buying Bitcoin back in the day, um, I thought it was quote unquote anonymous and the exchange wanted a bunch of information from me. And so I, I turned around and I didn't do it. So any sort of hurdle any store, sort of confusion or extra uncertainty that you put in front of a possible investor, it can really affect their decision to buy. Uh, so this could be negative in that way. Now the positives here, um, well, a positive is also that it's unenforceable. And it makes the IRS look stupid because it is so unenforceable, it is so misinformed that people will start looking at this and be like, these guys are idiots, you know? So it creates an environment to second guess the IRS in the first place, which I think is a very good thing. Um, another good thing is that it makes hard forking, hard fork scaling a taxable event because all hard forks create two assets. Just think of Ethereum and Ethereum classic. Okay. They hard forked, the Ethereum Classic guys are the original chain, and this new chain that was created is the current, what we call Ethereum. But under these IRS rules, that's a taxable event. You would have to pay tax, current income tax, not capital gains, current income tax on all of those uh, new coins, all the new Ethereums that you got. So hard fork scaling is pretty much dead. And that is a good thing because Bitcoin, <laughs> um, well, okay. It's not a good thing in that the government, it's like a part of the government, but this is the adversary. The IRS is our adversary and Ethereum and these other altcoins, they lack adversarial thinking where Bitcoin doesn't. So see, Bitcoin Bitcoin has been soft forking. I mean, it's impossible to hard fork Bitcoin anyway. Bitcoin scales through soft forks that are backwards compatible. They don't create a new asset. That's very important because one thing, I mean, yes, Bitcoin's consensus is so strong that it's impossible to hard fork, but also that this doesn't create a taxable event. And, you know, it's, it's adversarial thinking. Uh, these altcoins don't do that. So it's good that that's being pointed out. It's good that these people are learning this. It's not necessarily good that the government can come after them or will come after them. It's good that they're being exposed to this adversarial thinking and maybe they'll learn. So that's one thing. Let's see. Let me go back to my notes here. Um It also drives convergence towards Bitcoin. because. These altcoins become unscalable and they become just a hot mess for taxes. And so it drives the convergence more towards Bitcoin. Uh, and new people coming in, or new developers, even, they come in and they're going to develop on Bitcoin versus making a new altcoin or a new token because this is a taxable event. Okay. Um, and lastly, that's a positive is it's really good for Layer 2 for that reason, that these new guys are going to be new developers or or old developers, whoever, these altcoin developers, they're going to be coming over and building Layer 2 because it is the same token used on Layer 2. So they can build their cool application, whatever they want to do, um and they won't be creating a new token as a taxable event. Okay, so there are positives. There are negatives. What do you guys think about this? Uh, I'd like to know. You can hit me up on Twitter, BTC MRKTS, Bitcoin and Markets, BTC MRKTS, uh, or join the Discord. We have a good little um solid group over there on Discord. It's not a huge server filled with like a thousand or two thousand people. Um, but you know, we have a solid uh group and we would like to hear what you have to say. So come on over to our Discord. You can find that link in the show notes. This is episode 187, I believe. So it'll be bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash E187. And you'll find our Discord link there. All right, let's move on. All right, let's talk a little bit about this Ethereum stuff. So the big story in Ethereum was Lee Kuen. I think that's how you say her name. She's a writer, I think, for Coindesk. And she wrote a story calling... Ethereum in the headline, Ethereum, a scam. And Vitalik got, you know, peeved and some other people got uh, upset at her, her headline there and her article that was very brutally honest and probably not going far enough uh, uh, against the Ethereum folks. Um, but a lot of people were, were upset and it all revolved around the use of the word Scam. And a lot of people, uh, this is the kind of a central point in um, people really hating Bitcoiners. Their hate on Bitcoiners because we're rugged individualists and we're hardcore and we don't take shit from anybody and we hate shit coins and we eat meat and and all this stuff, right? So they they call us toxic maximalists. We are maximally Bitcoin only and all this stuff, and so we call things scams this this x is a scam y is a scam all all coins are scams according to me <laughs> but uh, uh the people don't like the use of the word because they they feel like they're not being deceitful and so they're not scammers they're they're not uh, like to them a scam has to be uh malicious purpose purposefully malicious but that's not the case in in this space we use the word scam just to mean that you are using false claims. You're using false claims in your token to sell your altcoin, to sell your token, to um, sell your DAP, whatever. I mean, when, when someone uses the term DAP, for example, that means decentralized application. Well, if your application is centralized, but you call yourself a DAP, you're using a false claim. And so you're a scam. Even if you don't mean to do it, you just want to kind of be grouped in with these other people. I mean, you're, I mean, you're purposefully being deceitful in this case, but you don't necessarily have to. Let's say you are, uh, Ethereum in general and you think you are b- uh, building a good smart contract platform that's going to scale and you really support proof of stake and all these other, um, upgrades that they want to do to their network. But all of what you're saying is not economically viable or even technically viable like we don't even know if proof of stake is technically viable it's definitely not economically viable and so it's a false claim and people will call you a scam or call it a scam or you a scammer that is what the term is used for but ethereum they got really pissed off and a lot of Ethereum people, they got really pissed off and they were taken to Twitter. Um, I just remember one uh comment was something like uh I've been spending sixty plus hours a week for two years on Ethereum 2.0. It is not a scam. I mean, that's that's their economic understanding of most of these Ethereum people. It doesn't matter how much time you've spent digging a hole and filling it back in. It's still a scam, right? If someone comes and tells you, look, you're going to do great things if you dig this hole and fill it back in a hundred times and you spend a year doing that. then you're like, I just spent a year doing this. This can't be a scam. No, it's a scam, man. And now here is the example. The last example I'll use here is uh so Joe Lubin, he is a co-founder of Ethereum. He got on stage, I believe it was, this was at the end of DevCon, and he had this uh, slide behind him that said maximal decentralization, which is funny because Ethereum is centralized. Their distributed consensus is changeable. It is relatively centralized, okay? But they said maximal decentralization. It's just uh, total propaganda. They're trying to use the terms. You, you you hear him now using the term that they're money. They're better money than Bitcoin. You can even build Bitcoin on Ethereum, they'll say. It's silly. And he also said that there is two hundred thousand Ethereum developers. And his big push is he wants to get a million developers on Ethereum. Well, these for the people that are in the space, these are blatant lies. I, mean, I was gonna call them falsehoods, but he does—he knows they're wrong. So he is lying that there's 200,000 Ethereum developers. Even on Twitter, some of the main journalists in the space that usually are very pro Ethereum and pro blockchain, they were coming out saying, "Look, we've we've done our own research, and most people think it's between like 10 and 20,000 developers." And and Joseph Lubin is up there on the stage saying 200,000. It's a lie. And so by that definition, Ethereum is a scam. And they were getting, you know, they're th- throwing their hands up in the air that Ethereum is not a scam. It's not looking good for Ethereum. They're struggling to get off the bottom. They're now their, their hard forks are in this tax bracket or taxable event, uh, umbrella. And they're the king of the altcoins. I mean, all the altcoins rely on them. So uh, again, I sound like a broken record because I've talked about this so many times on the show, but I think it's very important. Okay, that's all I have for today, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Want to support the show? Check us out, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. I also want to ha- announce a new newsletter with exclusive content. My forecasts, my commentary on the space it's going to come out three times a week. It is a Patreon tier. So if you go over to patreon.com forward slash markets. You can sign up for the market maker tier that is going to get you the three times a week newsletter called the Bitcoin pulse. That's it for this week. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next time. Peace.